0: Hey, thanks so much for listening to Hometown Stories. It means a lot to us. If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you shared us with a friend, left us a review, or subscribed to Hometown Stories. That way, you basically get first dibs as soon as we release a new episode. You can also email us at hometownstories at wdbj7.com. We'd love to hear your hometown story. Okay, now let's get back to the episode. Bedford, Virginia is home to the National D-Day Memorial for a devastating reason. The small, tightly knit community lost more men on D-Day per capita than any other city in the United States. As part of its continuing outreach, the memorial is now offering a podcast intended to reach people in Bedford and beyond. In this episode of Hometown Stories, we speak with podcast host and Professor John McManus about examining the pivotal moment in fresh ways.
1: Uh, I am John C. McManus. I am a Curator's Distinguished Professor of U.S. Military History at uh, Missouri University of Science and Technology.
0: And I believe you've, you've done work with the D-Day Memorial before, right? This isn't your first time. Can you tell me about your connection with the Memorial?
1: Right, so I am a member of the uh, the, the board at the, the D-Day Memorial Foundation. Uh, I've worked with them for about a year to a year and a half now. Before that, uh, I made my first visit actually about three years ago when I, I came there and spoke and, and toured the Memorial for the first time. And I, I wanted to go there for years but had just never been able to get there. So uh, I'll tell you what I was just blown away by the memorial. Um, the you know just the <clears throat> the, the beauty of it, um, uh, the accuracy of it, and and of course also I I was a bit sort of a part of their necrology project that was trying to document um, you know all the the Allied servicemen who were killed in action on D Day. Uh, so I've been associated with the the National D Day Memorial for the better part of about three years or so.
0: I wonder if we could, you know, kind of dive into your first visit there because I, my first visit was around the 75th anniversary when we were doing coverage for there. And, you know, I'd seen pictures of it, but man, to step into that space in person, such a different experience. What do you recall about that first time that you kind of actually set foot on the memorial?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think there's this, I had that similar sense of awe in, in, you know, in the sense of just the sheer acreage and size of the memorial and the way that it's set up, the, the beauty of the, uh, the replication of Omaha Beach, which of course, I, you know, I'm something of an Omaha Beach historian and have visited many times in Normandy. Um, and I was just really quite impressed with the way they had uh, just sort of created Omaha Beach right there in the middle of Virginia. Um, the, the water, the the, the, uh, the, the design, um, the way it all, the, the sun hits the, the various markers. Um, yeah, I found myself really absorbed by it. Uh, you know, and certainly from an historian's point of view to go and look at the various plaques and, and think about uh, units that I tended to know a lot about their history and some of the individuals who I either knew personally or knew quite a bit about. Uh, So it was kind of a moving and affecting experience for me. And I I also came away, of course, um, you know, incredibly impressed with the staff, uh, their professionalism and their dedication. Uh, So that's part of what really kind of absorbed me, you know, and made me kind of excited about working with them ever since.
0: And so this next project you are embarking on with the D-Day Memorial is a podcast. Um, How long had you guys been kind of thinking about this or where did the idea for a podcast come from?
1: Yeah, we've been thinking about it for probably, you know, much of the last year. Um, In my case, I had wanted to to really begin launching a podcast several years ago. And you, you know how things go. You've got a million things on your plate. And and uh, you know, and I'm not necessarily a big technical guy, you know, to, to know precisely how to go about doing this. But I knew that there was a lot to say, um, and and that uh, I, I felt that that I wanted to be involved in in that avenue somehow. And I had a had a broadcast background too, in terms of my uh, you know college training, and and so I felt that this would be a good thing to meld with my historical knowledge and experience. So. Um, in the, about in the last year, I, I brought the idea to uh, to April Cheek Messier, the, the uh, president and CEO of the, the National D-Day Memorial Foundation, and she immediately thought this is a great idea. You know, we can kind of join forces. Uh, the memorial, I think, had been think- had been you know wanting to launch something like that. Uh, really, kind of a, just yet another good public forum uh, for the memorial. Um, it, you know, their outreach I think is incredible. And so uh, it, it just really worked. The idea that uh, you know we could we could uh, say we could maybe blend my expertise um, with their uh, outreach, and that we could create a and launch a brand new podcast. So um, April has been really passionate about this, and of course, so has John Long, director of education. So uh, the two of them are my co-hosts. I'm sort of the, the lead host in a sense, but they're every bit co-hosts as well. And so our format is that we generally have. Um, uh, we'll have authors on and we'll we'll be kind of getting into some kind of deep dive discussions about their new books and, and their work in general.
0: What is it about this period in history, um, you know, D-Day specifically, but World War II more broadly, what is it that you think keeps bringing scholars back to this time period?
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, World War II is the seminal event in human history. And certainly when you, you know, I'm a military historian, so when you talk about like The history of wars there's pretty much every other war and there's world war ii in terms of size scale unfortunately destructiveness but also impact um and from an american perspective um, world war ii completely transforms this country it it creates a a brand new country in so many ways in terms of politics and race and gender um economics uh, becoming a military superpower an international superpower um, just the the demographics of the country, you know, like the rise of the Sun Belt, for instance, and and of course at, a, at the human level, it affects so many people. Uh, you know, between fifteen and sixteen million Americans served, four hundred thousand of them, you know, lost their lives, and you still see all these years later uh, the lag, the, the the impact of that. Um, on succeeding generations. And so to me, World War II is always immediately relevant. There's always new ways to look at it. There's always new things we're finding out. And that's kind of exciting for an historian, because like anybody else, I don't like to just trot over the same ground and retell the same stories that have been told. And so that's what's kind of kept me coming back to the well all these years. There's always new ways to look at it, new things to find out. Uh, And so the the podcast is kind of geared toward that, uh, like the cutting edge work that's being done on World War II. And and we may expand beyond that as time goes on, uh, because there's a lot of ground to cover in terms of military history and military affairs and whatever. Uh, But World War II is our sort of base point, our our foundation. And it's, uh, I'll tell you, it's a really, from a sort of scholarly viewpoint, it's a really vibrant field. There's just always really cool new work coming out.
0: So that, what, what do you find, if you could maybe pull out a couple examples in particular of things that are sort of, you're, we're still learning about D-Day or about World War II, uh, or different technologies that are being used to dive deeper. I mean, mm. what is it that is still, you know, even after so many years later, what is it about the study of it that's still fresh?
1: Um, you know, one, one example I'll give you is from, from an author we're going to have on later this year, uh, Sean McNeekin, who did a, a book called Stalin's War. And it's just a complete reappraisal and re-examination of World War II, sort of looking from the Soviet-slash-Russian point of view, um, that, that's just sort of um, jarring, almost like, oh my gosh, you know, I never looked at it this way and saw the impact of the, the Soviet and the Russian side. And I think that's, of course, incredibly relevant, obviously, you know, with what's going on today, you begin to see today's events through that longer lens um that that he he kind of shows you through really you know sort of deep dive research into to russian or soviet archives uh what was going on on the eastern front i think as americans we tend to overlook that and also the kind of interdependence you had between the us and the soviet union as allies with the us supplying the soviets and the soviets doing so much of the fighting so it's just sort of one example another you know in relation to to d-day is um You know, we're going to have, uh, we we just recorded last week with uh, Joe Bocoski, who, in my view, is the the, the greatest living D-Day historian. And, you know, as we we sort of get into the discussion of, you know, his great expertise on the 29th Infantry Division, which, of course, is so immediately relevant to Virginia, as the Blue Gray Division. um, There's just, anytime you speak with Joe, there's going to be new stories about people you didn't know. There's going to be a new way to look at the Twenty Eighth Division, not just at Omaha Beach, but in World War Two, you know, Normandy and beyond, um, it was a really neat discussion. Because as, as, as long as I've known Joe and we've been friends for a long time, as deeply as I admire his work, there's just always something fresh just by sitting down and talking it over. And, and that's sort of the, the format of the podcast. We uh, just by I think bringing these individuals in, you really do get a kind of fresh outlook because they're really good scholars and they don't want to just kind of retell the old recycled stories, because that's, that's boring and it doesn't add anything new. So the, so we, we tend to kind of shy away from that.
0: You mentioned the Soviet perspective, and I do think it's interesting because I was curious to ask you, I feel like there are so many comparisons being drawn to what's happening right now between Ukraine and Russia about, you know, this hasn't happened since world this kind of situation and in various ways hasn't happened since World War II. I feel like there's still so much about what has happened in that region since the end of World War II Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily make it into American classrooms. Do you plan, you know, are you planning on sort of maybe drawing some connections about um, how what happened in that time period maybe brought us to where we are now?
1: Oh, always. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're always looking at it from that point of view. And because history, modern history like this, I think tends to gravitate in that direction. And World War II is such a I mean, OK, right. It's two generations ago or whatever, but it's such an immediately modern and relevant event uh, that's front and center. We we always have that. Um, yeah, I mean, the the whole the, the Soviet side and, and the Ukraine, like you're, you're right. I mean, you say oh, this hasn't happened since World War Two or whatever. And, and uh, you know, <clears throat> that is exactly it, uh, because, you know, when when the war ended in 1945 for the U.S., It really, in some ways, in Eastern Europe was just beginning. Uh, There was so much conflict that happened. Uh, For instance, you know, Ukraine was trying to get its independence then from the Soviet Union, and the Red Army comes in and fights a counterinsurgency for about 10 years after World War II. And I I think that most of us as Americans don't necessarily know that or have that kind of historical base point to to see today's events through that. And, and, um, And I think that's what's neat about a podcast like this, is that we, we kind of you know butt up against those subjects, and I think that then that shapes and changes our perspective a little bit. I, I just think inevitably when you're, you're looking um, with some of these incredible scholars at their work on World War II, you're going to see today's headlines, I think, uh, with a little bit better understanding. And that's partially the, the meaning of the podcast and the purpose of it as well.
0: I'm curious. I feel like so many people I talk to who are really invested in, in D-Day in particular or World War II have a familial connection. I'm just curious to know if, if you do.
1: Um, I don't, but, you know, it's almost like I might as well because I knew so many people uh, who, you know, unfortunately are gone now. Uh, but it became very personal to me in that respect. And, you know, the other thing, too, is knowing many of the descendants, many you know, sons and daughters, grandchildren, now great-grandchildren. Um, that's, that's one of the things I really like as an author, um, that I'll, that I'll get emails and other correspondence constantly from people saying, you know, my, uh, my dad was, uh, at Omaha beach or my dad was in Normandy or, you know, not even always than that, but maybe another part of world war II. And they're like, you know, I, I read the book and I feel like I understood better or whatever. And I think understanding is something of the purpose of, of, uh, any good historical work that, that immerses into, into you know, like the human element. Um, you know, so, so many of them obviously knew their, they knew their fathers, their grandfathers, and in some cases their mothers and grandmothers, but they didn't completely know them, you know? And so by studying the war, I think it rounds out maybe a little bit of that understanding so often, too often, tragically for loved ones who are gone, um, that they begin to say, oh, that makes a little more sense now. You know, I never knew that side of him. And, and, uh, so I. I really like that aspect of this it's again it's the privilege of the modern historian to have this kind of you know human connection with it uh, so so for me you know Omaha Beach especially but the Normandy invasion and beyond is also very personal because I've done so much work on it over the course of the last almost 25 30 years um, So when you're that immersed into it it does become personal even if there's no family connection and in mine there, there's no family connection at all.
0: I wonder, you you know, the D-Day Memorial is where it is because of the Bedford boys and the enormous loss suffered by that community. What do you think is the most poignant thing about that story being told in that community and being told in such a a visceral and visual way? What, you know, if there's anything, if there's, you know, just one thing that people can take away from from D-Day and from that connection there in Southwest Virginia, what is it that you would hope that people take away from you? Yeah, that? I
1: mean, I would sum it up on the word cost. Um, you know, When you look at the Bedford boys and, and uh, the connection to Bedford and all that, you see the cost of this war. Um, a war that I think most of us agree had to be fought, but regardless, the cost is the cost. Um, this was a community that had a major gap and continues. And you see that kind of transplanted trauma in you know, the families to this day in the community to this day, that there will always be that gap uh, from having lost, what was it? I think 29 guys from a pretty small town. Um, and these, so these were people you knew, or you knew their families, or you knew of them, or something, um, you know, that everyone in a way was affected somehow. Uh, and I, so I think, I think that's been an absorbing story because. That's sort of a microcosm for something of what's happening to many other Americans and many other communities. Of course, many in, that are bigger cities that are more impersonal. But when you're a Gold star family, you're still a gold star family and you have that same experience. And so whether it's your block in Chicago or something, or a farm in Nebraska or Bedford or whatever, you know, there is that effect. And it tends to ripple through multiple generations. Uh, you know, we saw this with the Civil War long ago. Um, and now we're seeing it with World War II, And of course, the, the wars even beyond that, the World War Two so much because obviously it was such a big war involving so many people.
0: So logistics, what are your personal goals for the podcast mm-hmm. and um, how can people consume it? And I mean, who are you trying to reach?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, I, my personal goal is I hope this is a podcast that appeals to anybody and everybody. It's, it's, it's like history. It's for everybody. Everybody's welcome. I think there's something in it for pretty much everybody to, to, you know, of that's of interest to almost anybody who's just interested in the human story of war, or is interested in, um, you know, how events from the past affect us today. Uh, you know, if you like the idea, just sort of, you know, through a podcast, just kind of having a, a kind of a, a conversation in a way with, uh, with a prominent author. I mean, that's fun. I think that's a lot of fun. So, you know, you can access the podcast in any place that you can do that, which is tons nowadays. So, you know, you can like, and you can subscribe, I maybe mean, it's really easy to get. And so our format is generally, we'll usually have with each author, two episodes, it's the same, you know, 40 to 45 minutes a piece, something like that. So I think it's a good amount of time, because it's enough that you can get a deep dive, sort of, but it's not too much to where it's just, uh, you know, where <laughs> it goes on forever and none of us wants that. So what we generally are going to do is we'll have, you know, sometimes in, in many cases, the authors will have a brand new book out and we'll we'll spend maybe one of the one parts t- talking about that. Uh, and if there's enough story there, we'll go beyond into two parts. Um, but other times we'll be just discussing other events that are pertinent to their work and to, to whatever we want to explore. Uh, so, yeah, World War II is our kind of base point. So our initial authors who we will have on will be World War II authors. Uh, But eventually we may expand beyond that. So uh, a lot of these are are folks uh, who I've known pretty well for years. Uh, But it it also kind of, you know, as much as I know them, you know, you don't have the opportunity to really sit down like this and and discuss it in depth. So I I just think um, it's a a kind of conversational thing. So you're just sort of a a fly on the wall, just sort of listening to our conversation. And eventually, of course, I think we're going to have, I hope, um, you know a lot of social media participation and, and one of the things I'd like to see is people um, you know give their questions to us or, or ideas for for, uh, for podcasts that they want us to explore or whatever um, I really welcome that I think that'd be a lot of fun so I hope we have a big audience I, I think already we're we're generating a lot of interest um, which is fun but we'll just hope it builds up from there
0: Stories is a production of WDBJ7 in Roanoke, Virginia. This episode was written and produced by me, Leanna Scacchetti, and edited by Ben Raquelmi. We'll see you next time.
1: Hometown Stories is sponsored by Little Green Hive, because coffee is personal. Locations in downtown Roanoke, Daleville, and Grandin.